You're now listening to the only podcast for the alpha veteran in all of us. Today, Jeff and Randy discuss networking with a true Hollywood Marine. This is the Alpha Cast. All right, well, thanks for joining us. This is the AlphaCast. It's Jeff speaking. And this is Randy. Hey, I hope everybody's doing good today. We actually have an awesome guest joining us. Uh, his name's, uh, how do you say it? Brandon Prevost? Prevost, Prevost. yeah. Prevost. Uh, he's a MARSOC Marine, and he's here to talk a little bit about his story and his transition to what he's doing now. Super cool, dude. Glad we've got him on. Jeff, you've seen pictures of this guy, right, Brandon? Yeah, yeah, I've seen pictures of him. What, uh... What do you think of that? Do you think he resembles anybody you may have seen before in the past? All right, so obviously you're leading me here, and for the audience, so let's go ahead and get him spun up. Okay. This guy is a doppelganger from Mark Wahlberg. Yes, They look is. like exactly the same person. I think they were separated at birth. Separated twins at birth. They look exactly like the same person. And we're going to share that picture later because it is so uncanny. When I saw it, uh, I, I couldn't believe that you did not just send me two pictures of Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, I couldn't believe it either. I was actually going to think about putting their pictures side by side and making everyone guess which one is Marky Mark and which one's yeah. Brandon. Which yeah. he might he might be upset about it. I don't know. If he's upset about it, he's not the right guy for our show. I think that he's going to be totally cool with it. I'm excited to hear his voice. I've never heard him speak before. If he sounds like Marky Mark, I'm going to jump up and down and go crazy. I have a Can feeling that he I wanna... won't because he's from Woodville. You can be, well, you know, they can be separated at birth, and they went to two separate locations, Marky Mark, Boston, and then we had uh, Brandon here, who went, you know, obviously to Southeast Texas, so there's going to be some difference in accent, but I would think ultimately the voice is kind of similar. I hope so, at least. Something else that fascinates me, and this is the first thing that I said to Brandon when I texted him the other day, I said, you know, how many how many studs can possibly come from Woodville, Texas? Mm-hmm. In population 2,000 or less than 2,000. It's not 2,000. It was like 1,300 when... When I lived there 10 years ago, and now it's, what, like 1,550, 1,600? Yeah, there's nobody living there. There's nobody there, and there's so many awesome veterans that came out of that town. What the hell happened? Not much else anybody could do. Yeah, you can get in the logging business or or work at the convenience store. One of the two grocery stores. Yep. It's that that kind of place. I asked him something yesterday. Oh, no, I I told him, here's what we're going to talk about on the show, and... His response was in the affirmative. He said the word titties. That was his answer. How is that not the perfect response to any question ever if you're saying yes? I think um, I've said it a few times. I'm going to use it more often now because he said it. It's the perfect yes. You could say you could say yes or okay or affirm, sure. but nothing nothing expresses enthusiasm like the word titties. Titties. Titties is always a reward whenever you've done something right. Very fair. Yeah, point. yeah. You don't start with the titties. You don't. You don't just get to like walk up to a woman and, and no. grab her titties. You have to earn that. Yeah, and it's but, a wonderful reward. Yeah, and it can totally turn your day around. I I wish I could wake up this morning. I wish I woke up this morning and there were there were just titties. That would have been great. Uh, no luck, huh? No, no yeah. luck. Not for me either. So don't feel too bad. No, it's okay. Mm-hmm. No, we'll, we'll we'll have to edit that out because our audience is going to think we're losers. Yeah, sure. Edit that out. 
There's tons of titties in my face when I woke up this morning. Yeah, I woke up. There were seven titties in my face. Seven. Yeah, it was an odd number. (laughs) Well, whatever you can take, you know. (laughs) Seven's a lucky number to some people. Yeah. Maybe we should edit that out too. Yeah, we'll edit that out. All right. Let's get uh let's go ahead and get Brandon on the phone. Can you go ahead and dial him up? I will. Okay, here we go. We'll do a quick sound test, make sure he can hear us. We can hear him. I can hear you. Oh, good. Hello, Brandon. Hey. How's it going, bud? Good. How are y'all? Pretty good. Y'all doing all right. Jeff, what do you think of Brandon's voice? I'm a, I'm a little disappointed, Brandon. <laughs> did you know did you know I don't know if Randy's talked to you about this or not, but did you know that you are uh a dead ringer from Mark Wahlberg in appearance. Yeah, you don't say. <laughs> I'm sure you, I'm <laughs> sure you have never heard that before in your life. We've just discovered that. I well, actually I was take so... pictures. Of, I, I, I take pictures with people over here because they, you know, I tell them I'll be at the NT bar later, and uh, <laughs> we'll put on a show for them. Yeah, I would if I if I was a dead ringer for a celebrity, I would absolutely play that up. I, when I was a kid, people used to tell me that I looked like. Uh, Oh, what was that fucking guy? The Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Uh, Matthew Broderick, uh, or that? No, yeah, no, no. You're yeah, Matthew the, Broderick. Are you talking about the tall, skinny dude? Uh, yeah, Matthew, Matthew Broderick's the one that I'm talking about. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> can you see that I'm sitting on a shitter right now? Okay, uh, yeah. Let's let's back yeah. up real quick. Let's. We've made fun of We've made fun of Brandon I'm, for a minute for looking like Mark Wahlberg. Now let's talk about you. Let's talk about me. You know what? I I was looking for a place in the house because there's nowhere that's quiet in this house other than the bathroom. Uh, so that's where I chose. Well, good choice, I, I guess. I, yeah, I sometimes do dub smash on the toilet. So, man. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, but you don't I'm need Johnny. the audio in dub smash, right? <laughs> it just plays the it plays the thing and you talk over it. Yeah. <laughs> so so you just do it because you like to be in the bathroom. Yeah, that, and I have time to kill. You know, if you stay on if you stay on your phone so long on the bat on the shitter, mm-hmm. your legs go to sleep, so you eventually <laughs> they sh- can't get up. <laughs> they sure do. Yeah. I spend way too yeah. much time in the bathroom scrolling through my phone. I don't know about you, you guys, but every now and again, if you get in a long comment feed on something on Facebook, somebody will post a picture that's like it's usually like an older black woman that's like, "All right, you've scrolled enough, get off the shitter." <laughs> that's like, I, and so many times I'm like, "That's dead." Like yeah, absolutely. I have to get up. Yeah, I crawl with my hands because I can't walk. It almost hurts. Yeah. All right. Where are we? Welcome to the show where we talk about sitting on the toilet and. Uh... That's basically we've had a lot of shit jokes since we've started and done. What we're only on our third real episode now. We've talked. We're gonna about have to shit. change the name of the show. I think. To what? I've got some good shit stories, though. <laughs> save, we'll save them for next time. I think we've got it yeah. covered yeah. for this show. All right. So where do we want to start, Jeff? Well, um, first off, you know, like I was saying before we got you on, we're excited to have you on the show. Uh, you know, I, te- I texted you just briefly the other day, and, and you seem like a really cool dude, and, and I'm really looking forward to getting your story. Uh, tell us a little bit about your experience in the military and I, I know there's some things you can't talk about but um just tell us what you can tell us and and for a couple of minutes regale us on how heroic and badass you are <laughs> yeah okay um i joined the marine corps back in 99 and i came in as a machine gunner and um i spent four years at third battalion fourth marines uh lima company um did the whole invasion of Iraq. Also did like some uh, Okinawa deployments. Um, nothing but a big party there. But you know that the the Iraq deployment that was more of a shitting story. 
and then from there, you know, I never thought the war would drag on so long in Iraq. So I was kind of like over with that. My buddies were getting out and I was left with a bunch of new guys. So I was like, I think I'll go take a break and go to Paris Island and work with Weapons Field Training Battalion, which is the worst mistake of my life, you know. Yeah. Um, I was there about six months, got tired of Groundhog Day, and I had another two and a half years left there. So <laughs> I wow. did that for three years. Um and then finally, you know, I was going to go back to 29 Palms. Um, I really, I wanted to go to 1-7, not 2-7, but I kind of had my pick of the litter um, with the career planner because nobody wants to go to 29 Palms. You must be crazy if you ask to go back there, but it's actually a good place if you like shooting guns and stuff like that. Um, you may have to elaborate so, uh, on 29 Palms for, for everyone that's not familiar. Yeah. See, I, as an Air Force dude, I've heard about, you know, 29 Palms. I've heard stories of it, but I actually don't know anything about it. So if you want to tell me a little bit about your uh, – tell me what sucks about 29 Palms, why nobody wants to go there, because there's always that base, even, even Air Force. Tell me about it. Well, I, I think it sucks because, you know, you have all the people from the East Coast who used to come over there and do their CACs. You know, they, they've never been off the East Coast because we know everybody on the East Coast is a bunch of homesteaders. Um <laughs> Um, so it, it's really hot. I mean, you know, it can get like 120 in the summer. Um, nobody likes to wear gear in that, you know, environment. But other than that, I mean, I, I really can't speak bad about 29 Palms. The town's a little weird. You got some meth heads. Everybody that's white there looks like they have, you know, leather face. <laughs> yeah. So, um, there's some weird cats out there and, um, they, they cook a lot of meth <laughs> again. Naturally, but, um, it, it sounds you know, like you're. It, when, it sounds like you're describing the town that we're all from. Palms. What's that? I said it sounds like you're describing the town that we're all from. Pretty, pretty close, yeah. Yeah, except um, it's not just in the middle of the desert instead of the middle of the woods. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but they they actually served booze for you know longer than a couple years there and yeah. 29 palms. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a good thing. So everybody either drinks or you get a tattoo at one of the local establishments or pick up the local Desert Yeti at Club 2-9. <laughs> uh, Desert Yeti, I like that one. Always, <clears throat> so, yeah, I, I thought that was, yeah. I thought Chupacabra was what was famous in the desert, not the not the Bigfoot. No. I used to go to Yuma I mean, a lot. and we Blood-sucking goat vampires. In Yuma, it was, they were Yuma yummies. Yuma yummies. Yuma yummies. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I was actually down at Yuma. We were doing like a jump package in El Centro. And we went to a place called the Mine Shaft. It reminded me of like the, the titty twister off of like Dust Till Dawn, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Filthy place. This weird stuff, you know, you're probably mingling with cartel and you just got to wash yourself down there. <laughs> yeah, just play it cool, man. Just play it cool. But yeah, so, 29, sorry, Palms, we, 29 Palms ahead. has a great lake, Lake Bandini. Um, you get to run PT around it. It's basically shit. Um, and you get to inhale that while you run around it. Um, but other than that, man, I kind of like 29 Palms. It's kind of like it's kind of like Woodville, <laughs> but in the desert. And they got a lot more strange people out there. Yeah, so, well, we got we got off on that tangent. So you were saying that you you went and you were an instructor there, uh, and you did that for three years. And then what was your next yeah, step? At from Paris there? Island, yeah. At oh, Paris oh, Island. Sorry. Yeah. 
So I, I was a machine gunner out at uh, 29 Palms. After I finished up at Paris Island, I read this article in the Gazette about MARSOC and what it was. You know, I think it was only maybe like a year old then. This was um, like in where the, 2007, you said? Yeah. So I went up there, did the interviews and all that, and then I, I changed my orders and went to the East Coast. Um and from there, I was I, I started out in uh, second uh, second MSOB, and then I moved over to third MSOB. I was actually an instructor at the school for three years, and then I finished up my career at first MSOB Delta Company. So it's it's uh you know it's it's been a weird career. Um, I never expected to end up where I was. But, you know, every four years in the Marine Corps, I was looking to get out anyways. But, you know, I never mm -hmm. had the chance to look for a job, so I just stayed. So if I yeah. was going to stay, I was going to do something better than I was doing before. So, yeah, that's something how I, yeah, similar to mine. I, I talked about that in episode zero where, you know, the whole time I was on the fence about whether I was going to get out or not. And that last couple of years I was like, I'm, I'm staying in. I can do this. And then when it came time, I was just like, huh. Screw it, I'll get out. But yeah, and I could have easily gone down either path and not known where it would have taken me, you know? Yeah. We're, yeah. I, I, I think it's funny that so many veterans make that decision somewhat flippantly. Like, you just kind of get to that point and you're like, I don't know, do I want to stay in here? There's not really a whole lot of thought behind it. And then, so people that stay in for a lifetime seem like uh, they either did it on purpose and they've always wanted to do that. Or there were guys kind of like you who stayed in just long enough. They're like, yeah, that's, that's what I want to do. I'll, I'll just stay in a little bit longer. And then the guys that get out, you know, they, they had no idea what they were getting into when they separated for the most part. Right. You know, if I was if I was single, I probably would I probably would have shot the deuces at four years, you know. But once you're married and you got you know obligations, responsibilities, um, you start thinking about that. Maybe I started thinking about that in my thirties, but <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, you know, I never really, uh, you know, my first my first enlistment, I didn't really have a choice. I had like a month to find a job, and we know that doesn't happen. So, <laughs> no, no, it doesn't. So, but you know, after I got out, you know, I had a I had a little more time. My last enlistment, um, I was given the opportunity to retire early, and I, you know, gambled and thought I could make some more money. So. Why stay in for four more years to make $200 more a month at a retirement check, you know? So sure. I took a gamble. Um, I networked with some people that I met in the military going through courses and um, gave them my resume, and the rest was history, man. I mean, it took me it took me four months just being networked um, with people, but um, it eventually worked out, you know? I, I had, like, 90 days terminal and, like, they probably called me like two weeks over that terminal ended, you know. So I was kind of stressed out. It's probably the most stressful time of my life. Um, just, you know, where am I going to get money? What am I going to do? Um, I just started going to school, you know, and I, as soon as I got the job, I quit school because I just couldn't deal with the people that were at school. Um, they're just, I, I, I don't even know where these people come from. You know, I once I was once sitting in the back of a classroom one time, you know, and there was this big Samoan girl and I kept hearing this slurping. Well, and I was man. like, what? you know, what the fuck is that slurping? And I look 
down at her feet, she was at the big girl table mm-hmm. because they had tables for big people and handicapped people. Nothing wrong with that, but she was a big girl. Um, but I kept hearing this slurping, and I looked down, and she's got a little chihuahua that's licking her toes the whole class, you know, the whole time in class. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, and it's underneath their dress, so that nobody can see it. You can just hear it, you know. You gotta eventually stop. Eventually, when we got up, I see this little chihuahua run out from underneath their dress, and I'm like. This is the grossest thing I've ever seen. Where do you, I mean, where do you people come from? You got to stop. So, it's under her dress. If it's under her dress, you're assuming it was licking her toes, and you're hoping it was <laughs> licking assuming. her toes. I mean, it could have been I, like licking the lower portion of her fupa. I don't oh, know, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> one. As soon as you said big Samoan girl, my first reaction was, or my first mental image was like the rock, but if he never ever worked out, that's imagine. That's immediately yes. what I imagined. Mm-hmm. Basically, yeah. Or Jabba yeah. the Hutt. Right. <laughs> That's I think what I saw. Worse than, nothing worse than I think going to college after you after you've been in the military for I think any amount of time, even if you're still young, like when you're 22 years old and you just did four years and then you get out. I, I had a difficult time and I wasn't even really in a full college. Like there was other military dudes in there, but it was weird to see. I guess the difference in mentality between the 19 or 20 year old kid who's never done anything and then the veterans that are around them. I don't understand how, how did other than your like parents held you and carried you through life. How did you make it to 18 or 19 years old? I couldn't wrap my head around it. <laughs> yeah, we, well, I actually I had a kid. He uh, he was probably 15 or so. He was taking college courses, but his dad dropped him off at class you know, and he's like, bye, dad, you know, and we're all like, you know, you could tell who was former Marines in there because I was in Southern California. Um, And, you know, the kid, he he had the answer for every question. Of course, he's fucking wrong. And, you know, the teacher (laughs) feels bad. So he's got to like call on him. And I'm like, dude, you're wrong. Just put your hand down and shut up. Welcome to college. Welcome to the real world. This ain't the real world, but welcome to it. There's there's a there's a kid that I worked with for a really short time. And sooner or later, I'm gonna let Randy say something. But there is a kid that I worked with for a really short time. He was uh, 19 years old. Yeah, he was he was a wildland firefighter, and we were all we were all in the academy together. And there was me, and then there was a marine vet, and there was a couple of other there's the army vet in there, and then the rest yeah. of us were you know a lot of the other dudes were older firefighters. But this kid had had a really soft spoken way about him. He was kind of a pretty boy, like brushed his hair, you know, in a certain way and that carried himself like a nineteen year old kid. And uh people always gave him shit, you know, they called him a, a, a pussy or they called him gay or, you know, like whatever. They always picking on him. And uh there was one day where this Marine vet got pissed off at this kid for doing something. I don't even know what happened because I wasn't a part of it. But the Marine dude's getting in his face, right? And this kid who if you look at him is like the big dough ball, like a soft kid. He stands up and then he gets in this Marine's face, like this Marine, like bodybuilder, like big swole dude. And then this kid is like in his face and telling him to shut the fuck up. Don't you talk to me that way. And I was like, this kid is all of a sudden my hero. Like out of like you because you look at him and you like automatically make some assumptions. So like there is that diamond in the rough, that one kid who looks like and acts like he's soft as can be. And then all of a sudden he stands up and does something awesome like that. I wanted to be his boyfriend. (laughs) Oh shit! Yeah, that, we'll edit that out. Yeah, we'll edit that out. We edited a lot out, Brandon. We edited a lot out. I didn't yeah, know, okay. I didn't know you had a sleeve. I don't think I've ever seen you pick a picture yeah. of you with a short. 
Yeah. Staying true. So yeah, trying to, you know. That was my that was my act of defiance once I got retirement orders, you know. <laughs> yeah. I ruined my like career the, too, you could see. Yeah. So I was like, Yeah, I'm in, you know, while I'm in the Philippines, I might as well get some tattoos. <laughs> like but that's uh, that's really all there is to do in the Philippines. Yeah. I haven't I mean, been. No, you haven't been? <laughs> no. Not yet. No. Uh, so let's uh let's let's try and somehow get back onto a conversation that people would want to listen to. Okay, yeah. Um <laughs> Brandon, how long ago did you get out? How'd you separate and what are you doing now? So, I about I went on terminal about June 12th. Um I actually got back from a deployment in late January. Went on uh, terminal June twelfth, and then from you know June or August thirty first was my last day of active duty. So September first, I went to the you know the welfare check, the retirement check. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know everybody's like, "Oh, you're retired. You got it made." No, you don't. Whether you, I would say, whether you did thirty or twenty or whatever you did, that check ain't nothing. You know what I'm saying? You don't say you're retired. You just say, "Hey, I'm a former Marine." <laughs> because I, I, I've noticed that when you go to jobs and you tell people you're retired or whatever, they like you. Know, they look at you different. So I'm like, "What?" So like you're gonna come in there on a walker. That. Yeah, like, well, how old are you? I'm like 38, you know, I can still kick ass, you know. Um, <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I, September 1st, I became a civilian or retiree or whatever you want to call it. And I was still in the, you know, I'd been interviewing with this company. This is my only ace in the hole. This is, I was gambling with it. Um this is the only pr- really job prospect that I was like, I got a good chance. Um, I had some other stuff out there, but I didn't really want to contract. <laughs> I say that as I'm sitting in Kabul. Um, I didn't want to be a contractor, one of those dirty contractors. But I I didn't want to work year to year. But I'm a full-time employee, but I work contracts for my company, so it kind of plays out. Like, I go home to Southern California, I go back to my regular salary. Um, I got hired on there October 12th, and so I, I, I work in the office, which I dislike so much. It's just um, basically where I, I work. I, I'm a field service engineer for a communications company. Um, cause my last three years at Marsoc, I was a team communicator. So everybody kind of laughs and like, oh, you're going to that comm school. Nobody wants to do that. But you know, that's what pays. It pays better than standing on a checkpoint out here. Um, so I went to work there at October 12th there in Vista, California and January, about January 3rd, I came over here. So I've been here ever since January 3rd, um, I was with another guy, but he quit. <laughs> so um, I don't know if it's me or the job or what, but um, I'm 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 all right to get along with. But I can smell turds, so I'm like, if it <laughs> smells like a turd, it's probably a turd, you know. Um, so, but I've been here ever since. Um, my radio, our the communications company I work for, they support the ANA, so we go out to all over the country. And I'm the only guy that really supports 
that radio system here, which they have about 80,000 radios and in all corners of the country. So that's basically what I do, man. I go out and right now in Afghanistan, you're not really training somebody. You're more like over the shoulder training. You're trying to make those guys sustainable. So um, eventually, you know, we're going to have to like back off of them and they're going to do their own thing. So that's kind of like what we're doing. Um, nothing hard, easy. Um, it's just, People don't want to live in these conditions, and they don't want to. They don't want to take the chance that you got to leave the wire and go hang around these guys in case you know one of them decides to flip out and shoot you. Um, yeah. But other than that, I like it, man. I mean, it's not really what I expected I would do, but this isn't. I don't consider this my career. Don't get me wrong. Um, like I've talked with Randy before, uh, I'm working for a dollar amount. I'm working for an amount in my bank account <laughs> so I can right, go do right. what I want to do. Um, once I hit that number, you know, I can either stay if I want or I can walk. Um, but I was never, I was never really interested in doing anything that I did in the military because that's just another chapter in my life that I closed the book on. You know, um, if I wanted to keep doing it, I would have kept doing it. <laughs> um, and, you know, the, where I was, um, I was probably average 10 years older than everybody else that was on my team. So there, it's kind of hard to have a lot in common with somebody that's 25 or, you know, 25 and you're 38 and you're just like, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's weird. So um, I wish I was 25 with those guys. Don't get me wrong, but when you hit 38 and they're like, yeah, you know, keep up with me. I'm 25. You know, I'm like, yeah. all right, bitch. <laughs> like, <laughs> so I was kind of like the the old uncle, the old angry uncle on the team. I guess you would say um, they call me Uncle Randall for some reason. Who knows? Hey, that's my name. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Uncle Randall. So, so you uh, yeah. you you mentioned that you did some networking, and I want to hit on that. You know. Uh, something that I read a statistic that said you're about 90% of the jobs that are currently available are not listed online or on an online job board. So whenever if someone were to scroll on to something like Indeed.com or Monsters.com, is it Monsters or Monster? Monster. Whatever it is, dot .com. Uh, yeah, so you're only seeing about 10% of the jobs. And so everyone else that's looking for that same job is also seeing those same 10%. And if they have the same or similar qualifications you do, they're applying to the same job, which means that all of the resumes go into one aggregate system and then it gets filtered through by a computer before a resource uh, special uh, resource specialist, a human resource uh, professional will look at the resume and they usually spend just a few seconds, less than a minute on each resume that they look at. So anybody that works in the hiring field will tell you that uh, they spend more time and more attention looking at resumes that are brought to them by a reputable source. So someone that's a friend or a connection or someone that's affiliated with the company says, hey, I know somebody that would be a good fit for this job. And they bring their resume and that is what gets jobs. The best jobs are available through people that you know. And so tell us a little bit about uh, how, how you got in, whatever details you feel comfortable sharing, but how you got into the position you're in through that means. Okay, um, I was I was um, also I was certified on a lot of U, um, 
like UAS systems, like the smaller uh, unmanned systems that we operate, you know, at the smaller levels, you know, the Ravens, the Pumas, the Wasp. And my company that I work for now happen to, um, they do sales, direct sales for, for uh, a company called Arion, which is in Canada for a system called the Sky Ranger. And we were out there, you know, I was already on my way out and it was kind of like a freebie. So they were like, hey, you want to go to this course? You know, you know, you you're kind of interested in this in your after career or after the military. Um, would you like to go to this course? And I was like, yeah, I'll go to this course. And I went to the course and Daytron, the guys I work for, were putting on the course and like running some um, instructors through the course. And I just got talking. Um, there was a former lieutenant colonel that was retired that works for them, sales. And I got to talking to him, and he, he thought I was just, you know, UAS, um, you know, a team guy at MARSOC. And I got to talking to him. I was like, no, I'm a, like, team communicator also. Um, I've been to our uh, comm school and I've done all this and he was like well, we're a communications company and I was like whoa and so he's like send me your resume and you know I met everybody out there from the, the VP of strategic marketing to the CEO's son um, and the other field service personnel that are out there so I kind of had uh, I met all those guys and they all knew me so when I went in the interview it was like hey and yeah. you know we stayed in contact for the four months because they had um, they had field service engineer jobs open and they had field service rep jobs for Afghanistan and you know it took me four months um, to get that job just knowing those guys but they sent my resume directly to HR you know it wasn't like right. I, it, it was coming from me, you know, from Indeed or Monster, and right. they didn't know who, who I was. Um, they knew my background. Um, all the guys that work in my customer service um, shop, they're all, all former military guys. You know, they either worked with the 160th or they've been Marines, but we, customer service is military, so when you, you, you can't really bullshit on your resume because somebody will call you on it because they know right. the lingo they know all right you went to this school this school this school okay got it you should know this um the only thing i had going against me is that i wasn't like a component level guy like i couldn't open the radios up and solder parts and stuff like that which i worked with marines that also did that but they were like you know, you can work the tactical side, the operation side, and we want you just because we know who you are, we know where you worked, and you wouldn't work there that long if you weren't like dependable or something like that. Um, so it it was good meeting all those guys. I, I didn't feel like I had the upper hand, but they kn I knew subconsciously <laughs> they knew that. We knew each other, and you know I was dependable, and they kind of knew who I was versus a guy that just comes in and interviews right. for the first time, and they, he's got to explain himself to them. And they already knew who I was because I've talked to them for two weeks, you know, training <laughs> one time. So um, sure. And, and you know I'm in a situation now where we need a guy here, and I know guys, and so you know guys are in the process, you know. One of the guys I used to work with, he's in the process of, you know, his his resume got sent directly from me to my boss 
and that's how we're working because um, I know he's got the same background as me, same training. I was like, if you want another me, you can hire this guy. Um, and I've lived with him. We're dependable. <laughs> I mean, we, yeah. we're we not going to fail you. So, Well, that's, that's the um, way it's done. But, yeah, all the other jobs I've ever applied for, I've applied for, you know, UAS jobs that I – I know very little people had this certification, like in Sky Ranger. They had a job down in, like, South America or something. And the guy interviewed me, and, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just – I he he his dad was a Marine, but he wasn't a Marine, and we got to talking about Marine Corps and stuff like that. And I think I – I think sometimes confidence can come off as being cocky, but I wasn't really cocky. I was just like, yeah, I can do that. I can go down there by myself. You know, I you – know, you know, right yeah. now, the, the people I work for, they're kind of like, I, I wouldn't say they're worried or they're losing sleep, but it's like, are you all right over there by yourself? I'm like, dude, <laughs> I I like it by myself, you know? So sure. you're kind of like your own boss, but um, networking, if you don't network with people, you're going to have a hard time finding a job, you know? As I was talking to one of my buddies, he's been applying for jobs for months, and actually he's the one that sent me the resume so yeah i can't really say whether you know yay or nay he's got the job but i can do this so. <laughs> yeah well it's, it's it's absolutely so much better to first off and people have to get past this mental barrier and i have the same problem i talked to randy about this a little bit but whenever i was getting ready to get out and people would tell me to network, right? Talk to the people that you know and see what, what jobs are out there. And then my first mentality is always uh, nobody that I know has any jobs that I want. Nobody that I know is affiliated with anything that I want to do. And the funny thing was once I got past that and stopped answering that question before I even asked it, you know, like let people actually tell me what they have available. Uh, I told in episode zero about how I talked to a buddy of mine. And then he said, yeah, I've got this friend that's works with this company, you know, and this is what they do. And he's pretty successful. So maybe he can get you going. Well, that guy that, he met, that my buddy knew happened to be the CEO and the chairman of the board of this like multi-million dollar service contract company. Like, And he was a, a really big deal. So like no wonder that I sent my resume off. And then within the next day, uh, I have an interview and then within a week, a job offer. So. I, I never knew that person existed. I didn't know who he was or you know what their company even did. All I knew was somebody that knew him. And so it's super easy for people to get in that mentality of I don't know anybody um, to, to not want to go out and do the work of networking. And it is a, it's, it's like a job. If you're, if you're looking for work, networking is a job. You have to talk to people and you have to talk to everyone that you know. Yeah, and when I talked to Brandon yesterday, um, he made an interesting point that I actually wrote down in quotations, but the best time to look for a job is when you already have a job. Like, that's not something you you hear quite often. You kind of get comfortable with with whatever job you're in and don't worry. If you're not worried about networking, meeting people, making friends, um, it's going to be harder down the road when you are looking for another opportunity. 
I mean, I mean that falls back to you know, especially if you're a veteran, a veteran or anything like that. In the military, you always got a job unless you're sniffing cocaine or something like that, killing hookers. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, you're gonna have a job at the end of the day. You know what I'm saying? That's what I'm. Um, when you're out in the civilian world, I'm constantly like, all right, I don't, you know, I feel like I gotta watch, or I gotta watch my back. Um, because at any time, you know, you're a Apple employee, they can let you go like that and you don't have a job. Um, so you got to network. I mean, once you got a job, you got to still keep meeting people. You know, I know I meet people at Dynacore, uh, you know, and all these different companies and, you know, they're like, Hey, and they tell me when jobs are going to get open and <laughs> jobs in my field, you know. Yeah, hey, you're gonna have the fir- you're gonna have the first pick if you want that opportunity. Yeah, the guys I work with, I'm networking with. I mean, it, it goes beyond you know having a LinkedIn account. That's that's not enough. You got to like face to face the people you work with. Um, you know, give them a business card, give them your number, give them your you know, don't give me your Facebook page, especially if you're like my page. Yeah, um, nobody in my company is on my Facebook page, so um, probably, probably a good call. <laughs> yeah, I've seen uh, it. That thing's locked down. So, um, but yeah, I mean, they're going to tell you when these jobs are getting created, especially like contracting. Um, you know, the next fiscal year comes around, they're going to come up with new jobs or. They're going to create jobs. They might create a job where, you know, say a job's getting created where I would be the boss of me now. <laughs> so, I mean, that's you can't beat it. Um, but for yeah. people that don't know, when you get out of the military, you can get a premium LinkedIn account. Um, I did that, and I've met some people that are there. Um, but I want to I want to talk on LinkedIn right quick. Um, there's a lot of, first off, if you're going to look at social media as a tool for connecting with people in a professional sense, LinkedIn is the only platform that does that. Well, uh, you can, you can use Twitter, you can use Facebook, but LinkedIn is specifically purpose built for connecting people in business. So what I want to impress upon our audience is that if you're in a situation where let's say you just executed on separating from the military and you didn't really have a solid plan or your plan fell through. And so you don't have a job and you're looking for a job. It's not enough to simply apply for the work. You have to find the jobs that are available through online or through the connections that you have. And then you need to find the people that are associated with those jobs, with that company, wherever it's it's located at and find someone that might be able to give you some insight and then connect with those people on LinkedIn. And the way that I do it or the way that I've done it in the past and, and I've found some success is uh, I joined all of the related groups that were specific to my career field or my experience. I joined those groups and then I became active in them. I started making long form posts. I wrote a couple of articles. I responded to people and I stayed engaged and I went from having zero connections and and I really cut it down and pared it down a lot, but well over a hundred of professional contacts of people that could help me get a job within just a couple of weeks. I mean, it didn't take any time or effort other than I got on and would write a post. It was something that was specific to what I know. And it was not, it was not a deal of, Hey, I'm, I'm, you know, really looking for a job. Can anybody help me? Those posts don't show people what you have. In order to get a job, even if you're networking face to face, I don't want to tell somebody what I need. I don't want to tell somebody what I want. 
I want to tell them what I have to offer. So if I write a post, it's going to be, hey, here's something you may not be doing as a warehouse guy. Here's something you may not be doing in your warehouse that'll make you a little bit more efficient and save you some time and money. And then not only did I just offer some information out to the community as a whole, but I also highlighted the skill or knowledge that I have. So even in networking face-to-face, networking on LinkedIn, it works the same way. You don't tell anybody what you want or what you need because nobody that's out there hiring gives a shit what you want. All they care about is the problem that they have and can you help me solve it? So provide information and that's the key. Right. And, you know, having, you know, in your LinkedIn account, having unemployed veteran is not going to get you a good <laughs> networks. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? Like I've seen guys that have, uh, you know, unemployed veteran or, you know, just that 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 little heading on there. I mean, once somebody searches, that's what they're they're pulling out of that search. Um, you know, whether you put on there marine, uh, networking, communicator, or whatever your job title or the job title you want to link with, that's when somebody searches that career field or that type of person, that's what pops up. And, you know, having an unemployed veteran isn't going to get you much. (laughs) No, the, the pity thing does not work. The, you know, feel bad for me. And a lot of, so many dudes out there like want to play up the fact. Worked. (laughs) Not, not professionally. Like if, if you wanted to like, I don't, I don't know if you wanted to be a part of a group of people that whines, they'll let you in if you're whiny. But like, if you want to be a part of a group that makes money, you probably don't want to lead off with, you know, I'm really sad and I'm unemployed and I'm a veteran. Like you can't just play that card and expect someone to give you a job. Nobody wants to hire a pussy. You know what I'm saying? Nobody Um, wants to hire a pussy. I would. Yeah. I I mean, I mean, who does, you know? So like, you know, if if you're gonna you know like I was talking to Randy I was like you know or successful people aren't pussies you know they're relatively dickheads and that's why they're successful because at any given time they can stomp your nuts or they can stomp their employees nuts or whoever and get what they want and get the job done you know yeah. it's kind of like the Marine Corps I guess you would say like if you don't do what you're told you're gonna get your nuts stomped. You know, there's, and there's it's going to get done you one will. way or another. Yeah. <laughs> Literally and figuratively. So, there's a really weird thing that's going on. And I, I actually enjoy the hell out of LinkedIn articles for this reason. So there, <laughs> it's so frequent whether, well, they'll say the difference between a manager and a leader. Right. And, and it's like they, the, like somebody in the business world has it all figured out. And like a leader um, doesn't tell people to do things. He like encourages and like, Bullshit. Like anybody that's ever been like with their back up against a wall. And if you're in a management position, if you're in a leadership position, if, if something needs to be done right now, the last thing you're worried about is walking over and rubbing somebody gently on the back and saying, it's going to be okay, buddy. Let's go ahead and knock this out as a team. Like that doesn't happen. What really happens is, hey, yeah, like you've got to get fucking moving right now, bro. Like, like you have to have that element to be a leader. And I think you get that in the military. And it's funny to me to watch civilians trying to figure out what leadership is all about. I enjoy it. Yeah. It's not something, yeah, it's, it's not a quality that you can necessarily place your finger on what, what is required or what, uh, what particular other quality it relates to, to get that leadership ability. It's just something you've, picked up and i mean with 
as veterans, we pick it up quicker, I think, because we're just in a, a room full of leaders, essentially, yeah. all the yeah, time. Yeah, you know, it was civilian talks to me, you know, a civilian talks to me about leadership. I kind of look at them like they get a big dick growing out of their forehead because I'm like, dude, I'm a Marine. Like, yeah, who, who are you talking to? Um, I mean, yeah. that's about the only time you'll ever see me out in the civilian world where I just like turn my head sideways and I tell you, I'm a Marine. I, I don't need you telling me about leadership. Like, tell me about your leadership. You know, let me let me see if I can learn something off of you, but don't tell me how I should act as a leader uh, to get shit done because yeah. I have my own way of getting shit done. I mean, um, it might well, not be nice, it might not be easy, but we're going to get it done and we're going to take as much time as we need. <laughs> yeah the the only real measure of success of a, of a leader versus a I, fucking i hate the language leader versus a manager the only real measure of success of anybody that's in a leadership position is whether or not the job gets done it doesn't matter what happens along the way does it get done does it get done right and if that's the case then the team has won and the leader has helped them get there and yeah. anything else is is superfluous like it doesn't matter uh, it's funny that you mentioned that because we got the same thing in our little by our little you know water fountain at work. You know, it has the ball. It has a it has the boss sitting up on a chair whipping the slaves as they yep. pull the whipping chair, and then, the, and then the leader pulling the thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, leaders helping pulling. So I'm just like, yeah, whatever, you know. And then you know, in the same, you walk around the corner and you'll see total off opposite of that you know <laughs> so yeah. it's like are you looking at the same sign i'm looking at by the water fountain like you should be out here with me <laughs> it's a <laughs> it's a feel good thing yeah it's a feel good thing <laughs> i have a question so uh all military dudes here um what's your experience with second lieutenants and do you think they're come from the same school of thought as linkedin posts and water cooler pictures of like this is what a leader does. When I when I think of a lieutenant, I think of somebody that was a second lieutenant. It's been a while since I've been around a second lieutenant, but I think of someone that read a book and think they know it all. <laughs> like, you know, we should push the machine guns all the way out to the flanks and yeah, screw security. They don't need it. They got machine guns. <laughs> They're operating the yeah. goddamn machine guns, man. Like, yeah. somebody needs to watch their back, you know? But I know that's how they taught you in school, and you got, a, like, an art degree, and now you're <laughs> leading a platoon of Marines. <laughs> but, you know, I'm a Lance Corporal or Corporal and been doing this a couple of years. While you were doing keg stands in college, dude. I was doing them in the barracks and doing my job. So, <laughs> listen. Yeah. You know, you butt heads with lieutenants, but as far as, I mean, in the Marine Corps, I've, I've had my fair share of good lieutenants, captains. Um, I, I've never really had one that was just like a, like, do this, and, or one that was just like a straight pussy either. Um, yeah. yeah. I've had some that are kind of pussies, but they hardened up. Um, yeah. As the years drug on, I mean, you can't really, you can't hide in an infantry or a infantry platoon um, and be weak. If you do, you, you got long four years. Um, yeah. And I dealt with some of those guys that are just weak, but we make them hard, you know. Uh, <laughs> no homo. <laughs> you, you have a lot of, so you're really good at making lieutenant hard, huh? Not <laughs> lieutenant hard, no. Nah. No, yeah, just, that's just funny. normal dudes you can make <laughs> no, 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 you're good. I uh, 
I had a fair, a fairly good mixture of uh, lieutenants, but once I hit corporal, it was just hang out with the staff sergeants and gunnies and get in with them on just harassing the fuck out of lieutenants and new captains. It was just our favorite pastime. Yeah. All the officers I worked with in Marsoc, it's a little different, man, because it's kind of like... They don't separate themselves as officers. Um, you're part of the team. Um, they do the same shit, you know, that you do. Um, if they're if we're out there patrolling, they're out there patrolling, doing the same stuff, holding security, um, you know, uh, jumping out of planes, all kinds of stuff. But you know, in the grunts, it's kind of like the guy follow me, and then he points and you take off running and he's still back there directing traffic um so it's a little different i mean it's there's a i wouldn't say there's a lack of respect there's just uh in 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 marsoc i i think it's a more closer bond of hey we're a team before we're officer enlisted guys and i'm gonna do i wouldn't ask you to do anything i wouldn't do because i'm gonna be there with you anyways <laughs> so mm-hmm. Um, which is not always true in the grunt battalions, you know. A little more of a brotherhood, you're saying? Yeah, it's a lot closer. Um, you work with like 12 dudes and that's, that you live together, you do everything together. So, um, in a, in a platoon of like 30 people, I mean, it's kind of spread out. You have your weirdos. I mean, we could talk about that all day. You have weirdos in the assault section. You have, uh. Guys in mortar sections that just play cards and read fairy tale books, and then you have like machine gunners, which are the men of men in the weapons platoon. Like nobody jacks with those guys, you know. I hear they're crazy. <laughs> well, uh, listen, we we've got to kind of start tying things up here. We're running a little bit long. Um, yeah. You mentioned real quick, and let's let's leave on a on another positive note. You said uh, reading fairy tale books, and something that Randy and I really like to talk about is uh, bronies. Do you know what bronies are? Oh man, brownies. Bronies. He, he's Marsoc Marine, Jeff. He's not going to know what a brony is. I didn't I'm, know I'm what a brony was. Sorry, but you you have mean. to you have to know what the, the things are in this world that you hate, so you can hate them. I'm talking about, I'm talking about grown men that are big fans of My Little Pony. Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. No, that don't exist in my world. But go ahead. It doesn't exist. Well, see, I, I want to live in Brandon's to... world. <laughs> I don't think it should exist in any world. But like I said, you got to know what things are so you can hate them. And so I was just asking yeah. the question: What's your opinion on grown men um, uh, dressing up like? ponies and going to conventions i think they should be hazed thoroughly yeah like like we could talk about different groups of people but bronies um you're playing with a fucking my little pony and dressing up and i don't know what's wrong with people man yeah (laughs) like my personal opinion is that they're all pedophiles because there's no other reason that grown man would dress up as my little pony and go to convention absolutely <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to find the video but i saw this deal like randy and i got on a kick about watching they're called cringe videos but it's like people post everything on the internet and i have no idea why some of these people make videos and then share them with the world 
like the fact that they're not more embarrassed of themselves uh, says a lot about the society and where we're headed as a country. But there is this one guy that goes to a, a My Little Pony convention and he stands up at the microphone and he's going to ask the artist or the creators a question. But like he started out, I was like, well, we all know about, I don't know, what's your fucking name? Twilight or whatever the pony's name is. <laughs> and like, and like, we all know she has all this sexual tension between like, it's like, it's a children's cartoon. There is no sexual tension. You're insane. It's like the like security, like escort the dude out. And the lady was just like, she's like, I created this like totally innocent thing for children to enjoy. And I have a grown man stand in front of me and ask me this question. I, I hate people. I really do. Yeah. I don't, I don't like a whole lot of people. Um, so maybe we're not as well adjusted as we thought we were. Yeah, I'm I'm adjusted. I just know how to management manage it now. You know what I'm saying? So that's why I stay in my room. I I almost live in solitary confinement. I come out for chow. I cuss out a few Turkish military guys. You know, I come out and I see European guys in their thongs. Um, are there are there, like, are there camouflage uniforms? Are they the uh, short pants that go down to the calves for the Europeans? Yeah. Chance, the chance. chance. Yeah, yeah, chance. You know, but in the same sense, you know, they'll they'll stand in front of the door and floss their ass crack with their town. I'm like, dude, get out of the way. I'm not European. I'm American. Get the fuck out of my way. And so yeah. like, um, so it's interesting American. around here, man. I mean, I, I I spend a lot of time in my room, um, just so I don't have to deal with people like that because. Foreigners, man, like I've said before, foreigners are like a, a fucking PFC on patrol, you know, looking at the ground, stupid look on their face, no fucking clue, you know, and I just can't deal with it. So I, I like, I'd rather deal with an Afghan than some of these foreign military guys, just, you know, and then you got the badasses, you know, that, oh, I've got a beard, but I work some apply but i'm i'm gonna kick your ass you know because i've been on a, a cycle of roids okay dude <laughs> like yeah <laughs> so not to knock can, on can, supply guys but that's yeah, the first okay, yeah don't on. knock on supply logistics hey, Jeff, is a big Jeff, thing what was here MOS? uh air force don't have mos we have afsc air force specialty code i was a 2s071 yeah <laughs> Uh, um, I can't even grow a beard, so I, I couldn't even be that guy. <laughs> like I'm the supply dude, but I have a beard, so I'm really tough. I can only grow it, it just really white, trashy goatee thing. No, it looks good on it, you. Well, yeah, Thank I'm you. the same here, but <laughs> uh, no, you've got you've got the. It's almost like the Amish special. I wish you'd shave the mustache. Next time we have you on, I want to see the mustache gone. No, when you shave when you shave the mustache and the neck. That's uh well, it's what I call the presidential. Yeah. The presidential? Yeah, that's what that all sounds the, nice. What all the nineteenth century presidents wore? I mean, that that should be the next topic of your show is beards, man, because you definitely get treated different when you have a beard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, I hate it so much that that's right sexy now, and why can't it be sexy to be plain face, you know, bald face? Because I can't grow a beard. And so I can't I can't compete on you know like if you look on flip on if you know what Tinder is you know, it's like the dating thing swipe right and left, uh, but you get on Tinder and like all the chicks are like I like beards beards are a plus it's like there's so many dudes out there with beards now even if they're shitty beards like wispy you know like third grade beards you know like I can't grow one so 
I'll never be able to. I, I mean, I just, I, I, I just really despise shaving. Um, mm-hmm. I hate shaving, so I was like, I'm never gonna shave again, you know, unless somebody pays me a lot more money than what I'm making now. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I don't have. A, I, I try not to keep the the trimmed up hipster beard, you know, with the fresh juices and berries or whatever they put in that shit. But yeah. And I don't, I don't yeah. walk around with a flannel on a, you know, skull cap on and act like I chop trees down for a living. I just literally don't give a shit about shaving. So that's yeah. a, it's a good uh, stance to have on that. I, I get a little schizophrenic about between going and growing a beard and being shaved right now. I'm somewhere in between, but, uh, like it, Don Johnson. Yeah. The well, the beard really. <laughs> I, I know Jeff knows about. It. I don't know if you know Brandon, but I have what's a di- condition called a uh, chronic rape face, and the beard. <laughs> the beard really exaggerates that. The mustache, especially. That's why I was thinking about going with the presidential. Well, Jeff should just go with the mustache with the handlebars. No. Yeah, I Jeff. Mean, no, sir. That would look. You already I, look like a cowboy, so I think that would work. <laughs> No, my problem, my problem is the uh, the mustache, and like it doesn't show up so much on camera, but my facial hair is really red, so it looks thin. Like if I like, and I, I hate to like. First off, I'm not big on my appearance anyway, so it's not something that I worry about. But I can't just grow a mustache because it looks like I just have bald spots all in it. But it's just red hair. <laughs> it's like it's like translucent, hollow hair. And uh, no, it's I'm like a super... bad case of red wings or something. Huh? Uh, <laughs> no, it just, it just we'll, we'll edit that out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, Brandon. Well, listen, we're gonna have to let you go so we can r- tie up to the show. Uh, but thank you so much for joining us. I look forward to the next time we're able to get you on. Yeah, man. Maybe I can uh, come up with some better shit to talk about. <laughs> uh, I thought it was. No, good. it's all good. Yeah. I just I just came off of like a VTC where there's a lot of hollering and screaming. So <laughs> my company, so I was like, oh man, I don't know if I'm gonna be in the mood. But yeah, it's good. It's good, man. I made my day a little bit better. <laughs> good. Well, I hope we can do it again soon. Yeah. yeah. Glad to hear. So. All right, yeah, buddy. Um, we'll take, take care. We'll we'll be in touch. All right, man. We'll talk to y'all later. All right. Take it Alrighty. easy. Bye. Bye. So that was Brandon Prevost, again, a Marsoc Marine, uh, early retirement, and he's working in Afghanistan now, and he got that position purely through networking and meeting people while he was in the military and after he got out. Yeah, so that's going to be our main takeaway for this show, if anybody's out there listening and you're currently looking for work. Um, Absolutely, you want to exploit the friendships that you have and the connections that you have, no matter how tenuous those connections may seem to be if there's someone out there that you've met throughout your professional career that has seen you do something good then you want that person inside of your pocket and fighting for you whenever you go for looking for work the other thing too is not to approach people with a mentality of of weakness you don't want to go out there and and be like listen i'm a series of problems i can't uh, find a job or i really need a job or or i'm deserving of a job for whatever reason because honestly, they just don't care. You want to come and position yourself as a person who has the solutions to the problem. And if you can do that and then you know, bring that message of information about you and, and, and who you are to people that have jobs through networking, then guaranteed you're going to get the hookup. Yeah, that's, um, you know, I 
I've told you about it, Jeff, but um, I've so I've counted them. I've had eight jobs in the some like six and a half years since I've gotten out of the Marine Corps. Other than two, they were all every single one through networking. The only other two that were different was at L3, which I got through a hiring company, but I knew that the job was kind of nearby anyway, and it would be an easy get because I was already in aviation. And the other I found on Google, but um, it was overseas, and it was a clearance position and with that you needed construction experience. You know, other than that, it was everything. I'd met people on jobs or with my brother um, and meeting people through people, making friends. Sometimes it's going to be a friend relationship and sometimes it's purely professional. But the yeah. point is to network yourself and uh, make your name memorable. Absolutely. You know, if you if you have a history of doing good work and hopefully you do. If you have a history of doing good work, it's going to be a lot easier for you to use the connections that you've made in your life to leverage those for employment opportunities in the future. And, you know, we're talking strictly about getting employed here. But I mean, even if you were to look at entrepreneurship, you know, as, as Randy and I are getting started with this show and we're trying to get the podcast rolling, so often we're, we're having to lean on people that we know and people that we've met. And then after we're meeting somebody for the first time, uh, from there, we're, we're trying to draw new connections and new relationships. So networking is a continuous uh, evolving process, whether you're an entrepreneur or whether you are uh, seeking employment with someone else, you should always be looking to build relationships. That's probably one of the most important things that you can do to get work or grow business anywhere. Oh, and by the way, me saying that I've had eight jobs in six and a half years uh, is not a negative thing when you're in construction because in construction you're constantly working yourself out of a job anyway. So you need right. to be, and that especially you need to be networking. If you're in any kind of business that, whether it's a contract or general construction or anything, you need to always be on the hunt and looking for the next thing because you're Literally every day you go to work, you're working yourself out of a job at that position. Right. That's a good point. And along the lines of construction, there's a lot of oil field jobs and pipelining jobs and, and uh, <clears throat> jobs on ships and, and things like that where you're transporting goods across the ocean. And if you can go online and you just do a search for oil field jobs or pipelining jobs or you know tanker jobs or something like that, you're going to have a difficult time finding those jobs. They're not something that's really advertised as well as, you know, McDonald's would advertise their work. That's part of that 90% of jobs that just aren't listed online. Now, the way that dudes get those jobs, even plants, the way that dudes get those jobs is by knowing somebody that's affiliated with it. So if you know anybody that's working in a pipeline, if someone had asked me, how do you, how do you go from having no experience in a pipeline to go making $25 an hour, you know, welding pipe or something like that. How do you get to that point? Well, it's, it's pretty easy. Uh, you have to know somebody that's working in that industry that you want to get into. And then from there, continue to build relationships and do good work. So if you can do that, 
then there's absolutely no reason you can't go from zero to hero in a very specific niche market doing whatever it is that you're trying to set out to do. Yeah, and also I didn't get into it when we were talking with Brandon, but um, also a big part of networking. You may not even realize that you're doing that for that purpose. You may just be making friends and you have no idea what the opportunity may be. You're not necessarily looking for a job, but you're opening yourself up to any opportunity that may come along. Even while I'm working, I've been at this company for almost three years now, and I'm always, always talking to people that I've worked with, friends, and purely, again, purely professional relationships, and just talking to them, making them remember me, remember the work that I've done, how I've showed myself. And it may not be an opportunity that you're looking for or that you want, but when it comes to a time that you're in need, you're going to have that those same few people that you can talk to and say, hey, do you know of anything that's going on? And go from there. Don't turn your nose up at any kind of certain position you think is not going to work for you because right. you can make any situation, any job, any career work for you. Don't limit Absolutely. yourself. Don't limit yourself. And the last thing that I guess I'll say on the issue of networking, and you can't forget that throughout your military career, no matter what your specialty was, you had a specialty, right? So you asked about my AFSC earlier. Um, There's a whole groups and organizations on different social media platforms for people that did my specific job, just like there are for people that were 11 Bravos or uh, whatever your code was. there's there's groups out there, support groups. And on top of that, you have you have met and dealt with hundreds, if not thousands of people while you're in the military. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's so easy to forget those people. But I think once you start going back and digging through your kind of memory banks and looking at old pictures and, and whatever you got to do to jog your memory about people that have, you've come across in contact with and every single one of those per- people that you are connected to in one way or another are also connected to hundreds, if not thousands, of other veterans. So the veteran community is actually really small whenever you really get to thinking about it. It's something like 2 million-plus veterans out there, and they're all connected to each other through one means. So it's really easy to forget that. Make sure that you absolutely play up that strength of this is the fraternity that I'm from, this is my background, and these are the people that I need to be talking to whenever I'm looking for work. Yep. And even uh, the social media we talked about, even stupid things like Facebook pages that you're on with from your buddies from an old unit. And for the most part, it's all just drunk pictures and stupid memes. Every once in a while, I can go on there and see someone, hey, does anybody know of any work going on in this area? And somebody's there to, if they're not able to help them out directly, they they know where to send them, which is... That's a positive thing. Yeah, be, absolutely. Be a part of something. Have a have a network. Have some friends, and open yourself up to that. Absolutely, you gotta you have to leverage the tools that you have on hand, and that background, that fraternity that you're from of the military service is for networking your best asset. So absolutely use it. So. Really enjoyed our show today. I think we had a pretty good time with Brandon on. We had some good laughs as well as some good information. 
I enjoy it whenever we can talk to somebody with his demeanor. You know what I mean? His kind of personality. He's got a good vibe about him, and uh, he seems to act like he's really positive and enjoying what he's doing. And uh, if anything, let that be uh, an inspiration to people that are that are listening. You don't you don't have to know exactly what you're doing right now, but find the joy in what you're doing and uh, do the best you, you know, job you can possibly do. I think that's how you can measure success, how, how happy you are. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, if you happen to look exactly like Mark Wahlberg, exploit that. Take pictures with locals. It couldn't hurt. I mean, just looking like Mark Wahlberg alone. If I can make one suggestion from today's show, it's look like Mark Wahlberg. Yes, do do your best if you have to. I, I didn't want to say it, but Mark Wahlberg has very specific looking eyebrows, and it's it's a very like no one else has those eyebrows. I've except never for Brandon Prevost. I've never pointed or I've never noticed his eyebrows. I don't know what makes Brandon look so much like Mark Wahlberg or Mark looks so much like Brandon, but it's there. They're separated yeah. twins at birth. No, I'm I'm telling you. Take they forgot to ask him about that. Forget about to ask him about. Oh, were they separated at birth? Yeah. What age? At what age? Yeah. Were they like, taken from like each other? Like, you think you rem- they remember each other at all? Uh, you know what? They they're twins, so they could be that sort of weird relationship that they have. Like, where maybe um, Mark Wahlberg feels pain, and then Brandon also feels it. Yeah, he stubs his toe, and then Brandon's like, "Shit!" Out of nowhere. Yeah. 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 Something like that. I think. What a good way to end this show. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening to the Alpha Cast. And uh, if you haven't already, please go ahead and like and subscribe this post on SoundCloud. Uh, or now check us out on alphacast.org. Now, all of your comments and, and, and likes and things like that really help us build our brand. So I appreciate it if you take a couple of seconds and send some love our way. Yes, please do. Check us out also on Twitter and Instagram, and we're going to be starting up a YouTube account, so maybe we can post some videos in the very near future. Yep, sounds good. All right. Uh, Once again, thank you for tuning in. Until next time, stay alpha. Out.